name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before I begin the homily, just two little pastoral notes. Uh, one is that the liturgy begins with, blessed is the kingdom. And if we chronically miss that, we miss that entrance into the kingdom. So I encourage you, please, as much as you can, to come at the beginning of liturgy. Uh, the other is, if you have any icons with you, please keep them on your laps or in the chairs, not on the ground. So today is a very joyful day in the church. By the grace and mercy of God, we have completed the first week of the fast. And so we have this day, which is called the Triumph of Orthodoxy, in which we have this joyful celebration, and everyone, many people brought their icons to take part in the, the joyful procession that will occur at the end of liturgy. The epistle reading is a, a, a profound epistle reading that we read numerous times in the year in the liturgical cycle. And that epistle reading talks about these incredible saints. St. Saint Paul is referring to these Old Testament prophets and, and righteous. And he talks about the profound miracles that occurred through them by God and also the incredible struggles that they went through of whom the world was not worthy, as St. Paul says. St. Paul was talking about Old Testament, but of course in reading the New Testament, we can see many miracles as well by the apostles. And even to this very day, there are many miracles that are occurring by holy people throughout the, the world. And I'd like to share with you a little bit, uh, actually a long bit, from St. Porphyrius. St. Porphyrius is a recent saint. Uh, he reposed in the Lord in 1991. He lived in the 20th century. Uh, he was a monastic on Mount Athos for health reasons. He left Mount Athos. And then by God's providence, he was placed as a priest monk, a chaplain, if you will, at the largest, or one of the largest hospitals in Athens. And he was there for many decades, uh, ministered to countless people, eventually started a women's monastery and then returned to Mount Athos in the final years of his life where he reposed. And his life is full of miracles. This is a book full of miracles. And there are other books of miracles of his life. Because Jesus Christ is alive in his saints. And today's feast really highlights that, that these brothers and sisters that we have in Christ who are around the walls of the church are alive. So this first week of Lent, rather than telling you about all the things we need to do of fasting and prayer and being at the services, instead I'd like to read you a story. And so I'll spend the rest of the time reading this from this book that I mentioned. And this is a story from the life of St. Porphyrios. So listen along with me. This is from a man named Alexandros K. They don't have the last name. My father was a car mechanic, and my grandfather, Father, Father Panagiotis, had St. Nectarios as his teacher at the Rosario School. I was not a good Christian because I had no active religious life. I didn't believe in God, however, and I had my principles. In 1964, I bought three acres of land adjacent to the Athens-Limia National Road. On an area of two acres, I built a car repair shop and gas station, Right next to them, I built a grocery and baked goods shop. In front of it, there was ample parking space. I also put tables there for customers. 
Behind and next to all that, on the remaining acre, I built my house. I would wake up early in the morning and bake six batches of bread. With my wife, we worked from morning till night every day, even on Sundays, because we were getting a lot of customers. Thus, our whole family was totally devoted to running this shop. In the summer of 1976 or 77, we decided to sell the house and part of the site. We intended to buy a different place. One morning, a customer who heard us discussing this matter showed interest and told us that he knew one elder Porphyrios living in the mountains. He told us that he was sick and cold and he might want to buy from us. He was in his 70s then. When I told him I have immediate need of the money, he said, he's saintly, and if he likes it, the money will be found immediately. Don't worry about that. He promised to return with an answer in a few days. One month passed, and in one, on one morning around 10 a.m., I was sitting outside the shop, gazing at the mountains across from me, thinking about the elderly monk. I, my thought was, you know, this monk ought to at very least come and make clear where he stands because I could no longer wait for him. No sooner than I turned my back to the, enter the shop, my wife called to me saying there was a monk outside. He was a monk about 35 years old, wearing a dusty cassock and a knit wool cap. Because I saw no car stopping, I asked him how he got there, and he pointed to the fields and the mountain across, saying, from there. His beard was black, and I thought he was probably an acquaintance of Elder Porphyrios or one of his young monks. I immediately said to him, he immediately said to me, I saw your property, it's no good for me. I protested, how do you know that? When did you see it? Why wouldn't it be good for you? It's good, four acres counting the house. I want to make a big church, really big, like the one on Panagia in Tinos. And many people from all over the world will come for pilgrimage. It would be visible anywhere, a lighthouse seen from around the world. I was looking at him thinking, he must be a megalomaniac. <laughs> fine, fine, you won't find a site like that around here. It occurred to me then to talk to him about the water. I have a well 20 meters deep. Animated, I said, I also have really good water. Where is it? Look, the well is over there, and I pointed it out to him. The monk was staring at the well and moving his lips like we do when we're tasting something. He answered, well, it's contaminated. I objected fervently. There's no way. How would you know that? The health inspector comes here every few months and takes a sample for testing. It's mandatory since so many people pass through here and drink from the water. He was looking at the site and at the land as if he could see underground, and he went on, you throw motor oil there after you change it, in that pit, and from there it ends up in your well. Why do you have it there? And what is that, a toilet for customers? Those end up in the well also. This cannot be happening. Whoever sold you the site had many pipes underneath it, and they're all connected to each other. He was speaking naturally and with confidence. There was no doubt in his words, so I asked him, and where am I going to find water now that I need it? He glanced around briefly and answered, there is water underneath the foundations of the shop at that spot there between the two mulberry trees. What, dig around the foundation and ruin my shop? No, no, here, dig two meters to the side, right here between the mulberry trees. Ah, oh, the pigs go there. Well, how do you know that? Well, I smelled it. 
He turned his gaze to a different direction, continued right by that pole with the cable. Drill there, because there is water of great quality there. Is there any further up? There is, there is, but the drill near the pole. It is natural mineral water. Then he began demonstrating with gestures how the water flows underground. His tone was very convincing and left no room for doubt. Overjoyed, I said to the monk, great, I will bottle it. He replied, no, your shop will close. They will expand the highway. And why shouldn't I? Uh, and I became upset because I had invested all of my money and dreams in that store. I asked him, what will I do with the equipment I've bought? It's German-made machinery, really expensive. I invested a ton of money in this place. All this will happen years later. Everything you own, you will sell and get your money back. Two things, however, you'll give away. I said, why would I give them away? The monk laughed and answered, they will not offer enough money for them. They will want to buy them cheap and you will not budge. Well, in the end, you will prefer to give them as a gift. And I asked, who will I give them to? He was looking at me with his blue eyes. He looked so calm and certain. With a smile, he answered, you will give them to me. <laughs> and what will I give you? Listen here, years later, you will buy a spacious, nice fridge. It will be expensive. You will love it and touch it in amazement. And well, that and one more thing, you will gift to me. Anything he told me, I immediately inquired after. Why this? Why that? And he responded, everything seemed improbable and strange. But I get, began to believe it. I asked him in distress, so, what will be, so that will be all for my shop? Yes, it will go to waste. Afterwards, he told me, there are some people here who say, Mother of God, Panagia, Panagia. I say that too, I answered, all the time. Should I stop? Is it wrong? Is it tiresome for her? He answered, no, do not, because she likes it. It pleases her. Call her as much as you can. I said, fine, but everyone says, Panagia, Panagia. Does she have time to attend to them all? For the first time, I saw him look at me strictly, and he answered solemnly, I do not know how it happens, but I know very well that she does make time for everyone, everyone. Years later, I understood that the monk did not mention Panagia by chance. Rather, he knew that I called upon her often. In front of my store, which was right on the National Road, many accidents happened because there was no median barrier. I remember rushing outside every time I heard loud breaks or the sound of a car crash, shouting, Panagia, Mother of God. One day, there was a big collision of eight cars, and I was calling for Panagia. No one was killed. Another time, right in front of the shop again, a car was cut in half due to speeding. I ran and found the driver badly injured, covered in blood, in pain, cursing God. I felt sorry and kept repeating in grief, Panagia, forgive him, Mother of God, forgive him, until the ambulance came. I heard afterward that he had recuperated completely. The monk's presence felt very comfortable and familiar. So I thought to ask him about the future of my family to see what he had to say. My kids are growing up and I begin to worry about their life. He said, do not fear and about your eldest girl, she will be a model child. I was anxious about this daughter because she would not listen to us at all. She was mischievous and unruly. When she had grown up, she even started working at a bar. I would have kicked her out, but I did not even hold any hard feelings in the end because I remembered the monk's words. They were a very big support, these words. 
Indeed, the monk was validated because later my daughter started studying diligently, got a degree in biomedicine, became a responsible and respectable professional. She's nothing like the undisciplined and rebellious girl. At that moment, my mother called me from the store's entrance and I turned around to answer, but I saw the monk out of the edge of my eye. In those few seconds, the monk disappeared. I was surprised because we were in an open space and I would have seen him walk away. I looked around for a bit, then asked my mother, where's that monk just now? Wasn't there a monk here just now? She said, yes. And where did he go? She said, I don't know. I called my wife and asked the same thing. And she said, I don't know. I sat on my chair for a long time, baffled and immersed in thought until some customers interrupted me. Then I remembered that it was rush hour and many cars should have stopped either to refuel or to pick up something. And yet in the time I spent talking to the monk, not one customer had come to ask for anything. Now the store was brimming. On the very next day, I took a water sample from the well and brought it to an acquaintance's lab to get it checked. His answer left me dumbstruck. He said, this is sewage. It's not even fit for washing dishes and you drink it? Don't tell us you give it to your children. And we'd been giving it to people to drink. In three days, I bought a new drill and drilled right where the monk had indicated next to the, the telecommunications column. At a depth of 60 meters, we found great water. Little by little, we started hearing from customers about Elder Porphyrius who had come near to us in Malesi. His house was 10 minutes by car and we often directed people how to find it. But ourselves, we were fully devoted to our work and we did not go to see him. Besides, we had no motive to go to the monastery, which was under construction at the time. No matter who we asked about the middle-aged monk that had visited us, no one knew him. They told us that Elder Porphyrius did not have such a monk at his monastery. He was elderly. In October 1990, a doctor from Piraeus, so this is about 15 years later, took a sample, a biopsy from me because I had recently been finding blood. He diagnosed me with an aggressive colon cancer that had metastasized. I was not in any pain, but the cancer was working inside of me. Immediately, I was hospitalized and had surgery. After six chemotherapy cycles and a lot of hardship, I was in a deepest depression. I was a mess emotionally and physically because I had no hope of being cured. One morning, a friend came by the shop and seeing as we looked desperate, he offered to help us. When he op we opened up to him, he suggested, why don't you go see Elder Porphyrios? Come get his blessing since you're ill. Come because he is departing for Mount Athos. Come, come, you can still meet him. A, strain a strand of hope grew in us and we started immediately toward the monastery. It was our first time going there even though it was next to us. Indeed, the moment we arrived, Sister Porphyria opened the door and said to us, come you two that want to see the elder, he is waiting for you. The elder was lying in his bed, his eyes completely unfocused. As soon as I saw him, I thought, he looks awful. Why did I come? Just to disturb him? What can he do for me? Sister Porphyria interrupted my train of thought. What exactly are you here for? I was startled. I was at a loss for words. Can I ask to heal him to heal me when he himself is barely holding on? I stumbled over my words and ended up saying, his blessing is what we want. Sister Porphyria approached the bed and went beside the window. Surprised, I saw that you could see my shop from his window. I felt desolate. I was leaving life. I was saying goodbye to my shop. I was saying goodbye to my life. I felt like a man sentenced to death, deprived of his last hope. 
standing up there looking down at my shop. It was as if I was leaving for heaven, leaving this world. The elder whispered something to the nun, and she told us. The elder said to not worry, you will be healed, and your eldest daughter will become an admirable child. I believe none of what I heard. I thought, what is this then? Do all monks say the same things? <laughs> what the monk that came to my shop told me about my daughter, he now tells the same. Is it a collective effort, how to comfort people? I see at that moment that the elder lifted himself up and sat upright in his bed. With his eyes wide open, he looked into mine and smiled at me. He said something in a whisper that I did not catch, then he lied down before. A strange tremor passed through my body. Everyone had said to me that he was blind. We kissed his right hand and left. Due to the chemotherapy, I felt dizziness, but all that transpired left me agitated and troubled as well. There were two more chemotherapy cycles to be done, but then the CT scan and the MRI could not find the cancer. Everything was clean. I think that in that instant, those strange tremors came over my body and his cell. I was healed of the cancer. An oncologist working at the hospital, an old classmate of my wife, astonished, was astonished upon seeing the results. And he said to her, impossible. What did you do to him? What did you feed him? Have you found the cure for cancer? I sent the previous test to doctors in America, and they were of the same mind about the new chemotherapy treatments we were planning. From the hospital, we did not go home. We went to the monastery and venerated the saint's cell. We were there all those years, so very close to him, and yet we only saw him on the last day before he went to Mount Athos. He seemed so sickly, so weak, and yet he healed me of such a powerful illness. The miracle shook us to the core, and we began a new life. We wanted to become true Christians and know Jesus Christ better. We started going to the monastery very often. We had a holy man right next to us and did not know it. We wanted to learn everything from him. Later, we learned that he had reposed on Mount Athos and was buried there. Many months had passed. When leaving the saint's cell, we saw an area where books were sold. A little book with a picture of the saint on the cover drew our attention. It was about his life and miracles. Flicking through the first pages, we came across an extraordinary revelation. The picture of the middle-aged monk that had come to our shop. We slowly realized that the monk and Elder Porphyrios were one and the same. It was a shocking thing. We also remembered those words, your eldest daughter will become an admirable child. We bought the book and left for the shop. There we immediately started reading, but we could not find the picture. On that page, there was now Elder Porphyrius with his white beard. We went back to the monastery and started looking through the books until a nun noticed us and offered to help. We told her that as we were paying, we picked up some different book by mistake and that we were looking for the one where the elder had a black beard. She responded, there is no such book. Approximately three years later, in 1995, we were informed of the reconstruction of the National Road and the planned widening the new road went right through our shop's building in front of it. They took up all the space in front of me exactly like the modern prophet St. Porphyrius had told me. There was nothing I could do to avoid the expropriation. So I decided to sell my equipment and put up an ad the next day. I started selling. Because of inflation, I got a great price for everything after only two days. Nobody was interested, however, in the display case and the new fridge, which I was particularly fond of. I opted to give them away instead of selling them cheap. 
Mr. Yorgos from the monastery came by and we arranged to have them transported there. Everything the saint said to me I saw had come true as time passed. It is a dreadful thing to know the future and to be powerless to change it. All the prophecies of St. Porphyrius had come true to the letter. Twenty whole years had passed since I, he had said them to me. His memory was a great comfort to me in those tough days when I lost all my property. We had not been leading a spiritual life and did not know how much, much about the church. I did not know what the charisma of clairvoyance or foresight was. But with the saints' help through my illness and this mishap, we learned a lot and came close to God. All these with the saints' prayers were gifts of love from God. I feel great responsibility about my future that I owe a lot to the saint because he helped me a lot for the many wondrous things he did in my life. May we have his blessings. Amen. Thank you for your attentiveness. May these stories bless you. There are many more of these stories in the lives of the saints. After this first litany, you can.